Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey gang, welcome to session 132 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. Uh, it is September here in Philly. This has to be my favorite season of the year, fall. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to cooler temperatures. And I think one of the neatest things about living in Philly is doing really random stuff like apple picking and eating cider donuts and all sorts of uh, fun and interesting things that we get to do in the fall. So wherever you are, I hope that today's podcast has you doing extremely well. Uh, today's podcast conversation is actually a topic that I've been thinking about for a long time, which is how do you return to private practice after you've had a baby? And what does that process look like? returning to practice, but what does it even look like as you begin to transition out of private practice and from for things like maternity or paternity leave? How do you tell your clients? How soon do you tell your clients? What does follow-up services look like for them? All of those different things. My guest today is Molly Papp, and Molly is out in California, and she actually joined for this podcast conversation at 7 a.m. in the morning. Thank you, Molly. But her website is over at bellavidatherapy.com, and Molly's just here to share about her own journey. She actually has a a three-month-old as we're recording this conversation and just went through this process and was just reached out and was like, hey, uh, if you want to, you know, love to share about this. And I was like, you know what, this is a really good idea. So we'll get right to it. So here again is my conversation with Molly Papp from BellaVitaTherapy.com. Hi, Molly. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited for our conversation. I'm, I'm so grateful you reached out because I feel like this topic of managing private practice and returning to practice after you have a baby, like I feel like so many folks struggle with this. And I'm just so grateful that you reached out and are willing and just have the courage to share your experience and your journey. Oh, sure. I, I found myself not really having a lot of resources, even while I was pregnant and then when I returned. So I thought, if I'm having this problem, other people are too. And I love your podcast. So I thought, why not reach out to you and see if what I've learned could maybe help other people? Yeah, no, absolutely. When we were talking, and you know, I was kind of thinking about it on 
three different kind of levels, our conversation. So kind of that time before when you knew you were expecting, and then that time during the maternity leave, and then that time as you transitioned back and resumed your practice. And so looking forward to the conversation, just kind of navigating it. But uh, for those of you guys that are listening, that's kind of the way that I felt like the best way to sort of organize it. So yeah, definitely. I thought we could just start kind of basic. And and I guess the first thing I was just wondering is like, how did you prepare your clients once you knew that you were expecting? Well, it's kind of funny because obviously when you're pregnant, people tend to notice at a certain point. It's not like you can just hide it. But on the other hand, you don't want to say anything too soon because then it's you've got, you know, nine months left. So about five months in when I was showing, I told my clients because honestly they started noticing especially the women but they didn't want to say anything because it would imply that I was just getting fat Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I mentioned it to them I said you know what I'm five months pregnant I'm going to be leaving in about three months and I'm going to have a replacement therapist who I think is going to be a really good fit for you and honestly I didn't have the same therapist for all my clients I work in a group practice and I really thought about who would be the best fit for each client while I was gone. And then even if that client wanted to see someone. And so closer to me actually leaving, I even talked about who I thought would be a good fit for them. I told them a little bit about that therapist. And then I even said, you know what, it's your choice. Ultimately, if you want to wait for me to come back, that's okay too. Because you don't want to kind of pigeonhole them. You want to give them the option. And then I would give them the business card of that person. And I would also say, is it okay if I let them know a little bit about you? And you know, I'd signed a release. And there were a couple of them, you know, was like, you know what, I'm just going to reach out to them if I'd like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's totally fine. But I had that option as well. And we talked about it too, just kind of what it would be like not having our relationship for three months, because that's how long my leave was. Mm. And, you know, how they were feeling, how I was feeling. And so we could really process, you know, our relationship. That's pretty much all I did before, just kind of prepped them and, and had a resource for them while I was gone. You mentioned a number of things. And I think the one thing that I just kept thinking about, like, as you were saying, it was how much like care you had for your clients, like you really, (laughs) you know, you thought like a lot about them, right? Like, you didn't just say, you know, like, here's someone to contact, you actually, it sounds like you did the legwork to say, you know what, like, I know you, and I know what you're struggling with. And this is someone that I think would actually be a really good fit for you, right? Instead of just going to like, sending everyone to one person was that I guess when you thought about that, it sounds like being part of the group practice was definitely an advantage. Yes. And but how it sounds like part of it was that you built these relationships over time. So you kind of knew in terms of fit, right with the relationships with the clinician. Yeah, exactly. And with the clients mm-hmm. too. a couple of clients I had that were newer. I just tried to think off the top of my head, not first impressions would be the best fit. But honestly, like I have about six different therapists to recommend in my group practice. So it was really easy. It wasn't like I was calling people or having to ask for resources, you know, in my network, it was super simple to find people and it's even in the same office. So that was really convenient too for clients. Yeah, absolutely. You said you mentioned it right around the five month mark. And then they're like, I guess, And I would imagine this depends on the client, but how often were there like subsequent conversations as that time to take off kind of neared? Like, was it just a one-time thing or, 
you know. Well, I had the initial conversation with each client around that same time. I even had it in my head. Okay, this week I'm going to tell all my clients because I'm showing and it's pretty obvious. Mm. And then two weeks, the last two sessions before I left, I reminded them and kind of prepped them. Mm. And then the session right before we processed it more. And that's when I gave them the contact of the person that they could reach out to and who would reach out to them while I was on leave. Right. And so it sounds like in that space between the five months to the two weeks before you made sure to kind of like find the clinicians, get their business cards, make sure there were releases signed, all of those different things. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want to spend too much on it because it's it's not about you, right? It's right. about the client. But you do kind of want to prep them because it, it is a big deal. And for some people, it's a big loss just because they're used to having that consistency of you in their life. Yeah, even if it is temporary, right? Like, I mean, I don't need to say this, but like, I feel like the therapeutic relationship is just so unique in its depth and intimacy and connection, you know? Oh, you're so right. A couple people were like, are you coming back? You know, mm-hmm. like they were, especially when you have a, a child, because it's so life changing that, you know, I know people who have not gone back to work and mm-hmm. that's totally cool. So I think some of my clients were worried I would just never come back and they'd be like abandoned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I assured them and I even knew beforehand when like the month I'd come back. So I could even tell them that just to kind of reassure them. Yeah. You're saying this. So like, it sounds like one of the things that you really thought about was also like, am I going to be transitioning back? Am I coming back? What does that look like? When will I come back? So it sounds like you really thought through those things as well. Yeah, I would really recommend that you have a plan. I mean, I know kids, any plan you have when you before you have kids goes kind of pretty much out the window once (laughs) you do. I mean, they just totally disrupt your life in the best possible way. But that being said, while you do have the time, while you are somewhat organized, like set it up so it's easy. So you know, okay, this is how long I'm going to leave. This is who's going to take my cases. This is the week I'm going to call clients before I come back, you know, all that jazz so that you're not like scrambling because you're not going to have very much time once you have a newborn, you know, needing you 24 <laughs> seven. Right. So this is going to be hopefully not too nerdy, but like, did you create like a checklist or something? Or like, <laughs> I did. I had a little like, (laughs) I wrote down all my clients and I wrote down like X, Y, Z, like when I usually see them, what their fee is, the client who's or the therapist who's going to be seeing them. And then I checked off like, okay, have I spoken to them? Have I given their card just for my own like reassurance? (laughs) No, I I mean, we're laughing at it now, but like, I love the way that you thought through that because it's helps them. It helps you and make sure that whatever the transition looks like, whether they continue with the other therapist, whether they hold off, whatever, like there's some movement there and you've kind of thought through each person individually. Yeah. I mean, I tried and hopefully they felt that way. Well, it sounds like they did. I wanted to ask the other side of this, which is, you know, we talked a lot about just preparing your clients, but like, how did you prepare yourself? Like just on a personal level, you know, knowing that you were going to be taking this time off? Well, honestly, the more pregnant you get, the more you're kind of ready to meet your kid and it gets uncomfortable and it's kind of hard to work, even though all we do really is just like sit in a, ch- in a comfy chair. So I was really ready. The closer I got, the more excited I got. And as far as preparations go, it was a little difficult just getting everything ready for my baby in addition to everything ready for my practice. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of juggling. And I recommend giving yourself a couple weeks like or even some people take up to a month. I took two weeks before your actual due date to really just engage in that self-care, make sure the nursery's all set, make sure all your clients and all that is 
buttoned up so that you can really take time for yourself to have that peace and quiet before your baby comes. Um, That was like the thing I think was the best tip for myself was to really plan ahead so that I had some time before he came. And he ended up coming a week early. So I'm glad at least I had one week (laughs) to kind of like just like calm down before the craziness started all over. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like just taking, creating some intentional space for your own self-care versus just kind of jumping from private practice to having baby to being mom, right? Like, yes, exactly. Not a good idea. (laughs) No, you'd be so frazzled, you know, so I definitely recommend self-care. Well, speaking of that, like, so you had planned those two weeks, but then it ended up being a week. How do you think that made a difference? Just that one week? Well, unfortunately, in the week prior, so the one week that I did have, I was able to do all the kind of housekeeping things Mm. at my own house. Mm. So that means finish the nursery. And I got, we had to get our tub redone and Mm. like little stuff like that where I knew, okay, I'm going to be home this week so I can get that thing done. So I won't have to worry about it when I have a baby, right? But I was planning on the second week doing fun stuff, you Mm. know, like, oh, I'm going to lay in bed and watch movies, go to the beach. And so I didn't get that part, which I'm kind of bummed about, but you know, you know, no worries. Um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing though, right? Like as much as we planned, it's like holding that position loosely, right? Like as oh, much yeah. as we planned, there's always going to be something we didn't expect to come up. So yeah. And that's a life lesson I learned is, you know what? Go with the flow. <laughs> right. A, sk- uh, a good skill. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. So we talked a little bit about just that time before, and I kind of wanted to transition to that during your maternity leave. Really silly question, maybe not. But like, how did you actually handle clinical stuff when they came up when you were home with the baby? Okay, no, not a silly question. Well, I recommend having pretty good boundaries with that because if you don't, you're going to be working while you have a newborn, while you're recovering. It's just ridiculous, you know. So I honestly don't have a super high intense caseload. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I knew I wasn't going to get suicidal calls or crisis mode or anything like that. And I had, you know, referred all of my clients. So I really didn't get any contact from my clients except for one or two text messages just from a couple clients and it wasn't even about them it was saying oh hey I'm guessing you've had your baby by now congratulations you know which was nice and I just said a a quick thank you back but I didn't address really any clinical things and I'm so happy for that because honestly it gave me the time I needed to really focus on you know my life my self-care my baby so when the three months were up I was ready and raring to go back to work and really refreshed so that helped me the most yeah no I think it's such a I mean it's a small thing you did but it's such a powerful thing because you actually focused on the thing that was the most important which is taking care of baby and thinking about, you know, recovering from the process. And so that, yeah, whenever you were ready to go, you felt like you were actually rejuvenated. Yeah, definitely. It was really nice to have that time just for me and my baby to bond. You know, that's the point. (laughs) Again, this is really random, but like, so you had referred some of these clients to colleagues. And so was there any sort of correspondence between you with a therapist like during that time? And if so, like, what did that look like? 
for the most part, I trusted the therapist that I had referred to that they would let me know if anything popped up or anything that needed my attention. There was only one person that I followed up because she was in a bit of a crisis when I left. And I just wanted to follow up with her therapist that I you know, referred her to to make sure she was seeing her. And she actually wasn't. And it was kind of like scary because I was like, oh, I hope she's doing okay. But you know, I'd given her the resource. The therapist that I'd referred her to had reached out to her several times. After that, there's nothing more I could have done. So she wasn't in a life or death situation. It was just a hard time. So I felt like, you know what, I I tried and that's all I can do. I had to just let it go. It was hard though. I had to sit with that anxiety. Yeah, my gosh, especially when, you know, like as you're transitioning into a new role as well. Oh yeah. I felt a little, (laughs) I felt kind of bad, you know, but oh well. So, I mean, you did have that like period of anxiety, which I think is like normal. And, you know, I think anyone in that situation would struggle with that. Was there anything that was helpful in just sort of being able to sit with it and then just being able to move on at all that you can think of? Or was it just more like time? No, I mean, that's a good question. I think the thing that was most helpful was that I wasn't glued to my phone. because of the baby and because of how I was feeling. So in my mind, I, you know, I'm sitting with the anxiety, but I, I even put my phone away and I didn't really I'd check it once a day as opposed to, you know, how many times we check our phone, like a hundred. Mm. And that was good. That was an intentional thing I did to just, you know, let it go. I tried my best and that was all I could do. And that's hard because as clinicians, you know, we don't want to abandon our clients. We want to be there for them. And it's a little hard to think that they need help and like we're not there for them. No, absolutely. So you're on maternity leave, and you said you decided to take three months. Uh, yes. So like, how and when did you let clients know that you would be returning? I let them know before I left, because I knew beforehand it was going to be, you know, that three months. And then the week before, I was scheduled to start back. So I started back basically August 1st of this year. I... So the end of July, I reached out to them and I said, you know what, I'm coming back next week. These are the times I have free. Would you like to come back for a session? And I also made sure that I contacted the therapist that they were seeing if they had decided to go see them and kind of let them know, you know, that I was going to be reaching out to them. And I also let them know the clients. I know you're seeing blank therapist. If you want to stay with them, you know, that's totally fine with me. And if not, then these are the times I'm free. So I gave them that option because I would never want to pressure someone. And a couple of them, you know, wanted to have a termination session and then come back to me. And that was perfectly good as well. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I keep saying this, but like, I don't know if you see this in yourself, but like you are very like thoughtful in how like you take just very intentional in how you take care of your clients. You take care of colleagues, like you show that level of respect to them, you know? Well, I try. I mean, I guess you'd want the same back. So you try to like not step on anyone's toes and be respectful. It's hard. I I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but I just try my best. I feel like it's such a, just a strange stage, right? Like, you know, being in practice and taking a break and then coming back. And so it's like a lot of, yeah. I mean, a lot of range of emotions with it. Yeah, it can be awkward and you don't really, there's, like I said, there's no like book or method for it. You just, you know, kind of do the best you can. Speaking of that, when you initially referred the clients to colleagues, it sounds like you set some sort of expectation in terms of like, hey, this is when I'm going to be coming back. And like, so this isn't like a forever sort of situation. Is that right? Yeah. So even in that being said, the therapist that I had referred knew that and they weren't 
planning on keeping these clients long term. I wasn't saying to them, here you go. Um, Mm -hmm. And the clients knew that too. So I had almost all my clients come back. So that felt really good. Yeah, no, absolutely. What was the hardest thing about returning to practice after baby? Oh, easily missing my baby. (laughs) (laughs) I even went back just part time too, because, well, one, childcare is ridiculously expensive. So I really couldn't afford to go back full time. But two, I didn't want to be gone all the time. Currently, I just work a few nights a week and on Saturdays. And my husband watches the baby, you know, while I'm at work. And the hardest part is really kind of changing back into therapist role because you're in like mom role, right? Like all my days are filled with, okay, you know, feeding and naps and story time. And you have to really be like a total mind shift back into that mode. So a couple of times I've been in session and I have to like kind of just be like, okay, like focus, you know, because you're tired and your mind is elsewhere. And it's took me a couple of weeks to really like fall back into like the groove again. So a couple of things there, like one is... It sounds like it's quite normal, right? Now you're sort of juggling these two roles. So was it just time that was helpful in terms of like juggling that mom role versus now, you know, being therapist and mom or what? Well, you know what? It's funny you say that. The the thing that really helped me was your podcast. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird, but before I went back, like the month before, I was taking my baby for walks and I put your podcast on my phone while I'm strolling. And that was like a preemptive like therapy mode because I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about therapy, you know, for at that point, two months. So that started it like just like, okay, therapy, let's get this, these juices flowing again. And that was super helpful. And then the first couple of weeks, just honestly time and doing it over and over. And then it got to be where I didn't even think about baby when I was in the room and I'm totally present. Yeah, that's amazing. And it sounds like even in that initial stage, just like giving yourself permission to say, you know what, my mind may be a little more distracted than usual and that's okay like it'll it'll get oh yeah totally to all the moms out there like give yourself a break it is rough i mean you pushed a human out of your (laughs) body so you're gonna be a little you know all over the place for a while (laughs) you said earlier that so you work now as you've come back you're working part-time you're working nights saturdays has your work schedule changed like before baby was it day hours or was it also night and saturdays or what did that look like Well, as you know, in private practice, for the most part, it's hard for people, at least I've found, to come during the day or mornings. I mean, sometimes mornings, but in my experience, it was really only nights and weekends anyways. I did have a few daytime clients, which I had to shift around, but for the most part, it's pretty much stayed the same. I did actually stop my group therapy. And honestly, just because it was a little stressful, I don't know about you, but I I find leading group to be a little bit harder just because you have so many more people to, you know, manage in the room. So I stopped doing that and I scaled back a little bit. Um, But besides that, the nights and weekend thing was was fairly the same. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, again, not like anything to put, like, are you thinking potentially about restarting the group, I guess, down the line when things sort of settle and you get into a better flow or? I don't know. I'd actually handed it off to another one in my therapist uh, in the group practice. And they had even asked me if I'd like to take it back. And I just decided not at this time. So maybe I'm keeping that option open for someday down the road. But on the other hand, I don't want the group to get super comfortable with this new person. Then I'm, you know, six months later, I'm like, I'm ready. And she's like, you know, (laughs) so we'll see. There's a lot of these like subtle sort of uh, 
things to think about, right? Like, oh, yeah, throughout this whole yeah. process. The final thing I just wanted to ask you, Molly, was what was the number one thing that you learned through this process that maybe you didn't know when you started? I love that question, Mel, and I thought about this a lot. The number one thing I learned was to enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. Really having a baby stepping away from work reminded me that all of the things we surround ourselves with, you know, TV and phones and work, 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 especially work. At the end of the day, yes, these people matter. Our clients matter. We truly care about them. But your life ultimately is valuable and you need to treasure it and treasure the moments with your children and your partner and your family. So having a baby stepping away from work reminded me of that and it really made forced me to slow down. I was definitely the kind of workaholic person like, oh, another client? Yeah, oh, I'll stay till nine. Oh, I'll work till whenever. And it really kind of shook me to my core in the best way possible and reminded me that I'm never going to get this time back. So I'm really happy I took three months. That's kind of a long maternity leave, but I would have taken four if I could. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's so important to just remind yourself what's important in life. And, and so for me personally, that was my family. And that was the best thing I learned from this whole process. Uh, Molly, I'm so glad you said that because I think for many of us, right, like we start small businesses to be our own bosses. But I think for many of us, we started to have a sense of freedom and to be able to get time back, to be able to spend time with our loved ones. And I think when we're in the throes of things, it's really easy to, to lose sight of that. But it's neat to hear how this whole process, like through it all, like it, it helped you kind of to recenter with that idea. Thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, you have this amazing business, but if you have no one to share it with, what's the point? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think more recently, like I've been realizing this is that I feel like a lot of times we focus a lot on the destination, right? As clinicians, mm -hmm. as business owners, and the reality is like, it's really this journey, you know, and trying to be grateful that we get to this, you know, and be on this journey. Yeah, you're right. It's much more about the journey than the destination. Molly, I'm grateful for you. I'm just grateful for this conversation. What are some of the best ways that our colleagues can get in touch with you? Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, the best resource would be to go to my website, which is bellavitatherapy.com. And on there, I have a blog that I post about once a week, uh, relationship and just life advice issues, and also has my contact information if you'd like to set up a session with me. Awesome. Molly, thank you again for doing this. Thank you so much, Melvin. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Molly and whether you're in a season of life where you are hoping for a baby or you're expecting, I hope that this conversation has given you encouragement and just some things to think about. I feel like, I don't know, I think the big thing, theme that I was thinking about in my conversation with Molly is just the wisdom of intentionally planning and thinking through what all of this would look like for our clients and also for us as we make transitions to take time off when we have a baby. Molly mentioned a, a number of resources and you can find those over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 132. I have a feeling that this podcast episode is going to elicit a lot of just really great conversation. Uh, we're going to have that conversation over in the Selling the Couch community. So if you haven't had a chance, please come join us. You can join over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. 
And as we wrap up, I just wanted to give you guys a quick update on the Selling the Couch directory and the learning library. This is something that my plan is to release this next year, hopefully early in the year next year. But the directory is basically, you know, just having had all these conversations on the podcast and getting so many just wonderful emails, sometimes hard emails from you guys, just hearing your struggles in private practice and as we try to, you know, build the practices that we envisioned, I wanted to create a directory that's focused on the helper and the healer in private practice. So this will make it easier for us to be able to connect with other clinicians, maybe who share similar trainings or similar expertise as we do. It'll also make it easier to get referrals. And if we're, you know, you'll be able to show if you're taking referrals, if who your ideal clients are, all of those different things. And then if you are a supervisor that's looking for a supervisee, or if you're a supervisee looking for a supervisor, there's actually going to be a section there where you'll be able to connect with supervisors or supervisees. You can find more information about the Selling the Couch directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. And that also has some information about the learning library, which is a series of just video conversations with practitioners about the day-to-day journey of private practice as well as from experts in terms of doing certain things in private practice and scaling beyond. And there's a video there as well, again, over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.